It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. By the way, join us during the week on Fox Business. The name of the show is Kudlow. It's 4 to 5 p.m. every day. And by the way, if you somehow can't make it, just uh, text your favorite nine-year-old. You could text a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old. They all know how to DVR the show. They will teach you how to DVR the show. And here, you can live stream us everywhere on the Internet, LarryKudlowShow.com, all around the country, throughout the globe, and the solar system. So let us do some stock market work, okay? We have a very low-keyed group today. We have Jim Urio. Director of TJM Institutional Services, Chicago's leading restaurateur, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO, KKM Financial. Um, see if he defends Notre Dame football. I don't know whether he can or chooses to. Anyway, gentlemen, welcome back. Um, so the topic is not hard. We have a booming stock market. The last month, booming stock market. And there are a lot of things going on in the market, as there always are, Federal Reserve policies, profits, and all the rest of it. But I want to begin with my thesis, which is quite simply, the stock market sees the cavalry is coming, a Republican sweep in the House and Senate. That means that Joe Biden's socialism will no longer reign supreme in the land, we had Dan Clifton on earlier who talked about the Republican basket of stocks like energy stocks and defense stocks and immigration, illegal immigration border type stocks, law enforcement stocks. So the pieces seem to be falling in place. And I want to see what you guys think. How long does this rally go? Is it for real? Does it have legs? How important is the Washington story? I begin with you, Jeff Kilberg. Well, Larry, great to be here. As usual, I can't say the same about being with Jimmy Uriel, but we'll get to that later. But I do have <laughs> optimism. And what we've seen in the S&P 500, it's up 12% since the low of October 13th. And, yes, I know there's a lot of political undercurrents, but I go back to this earnings season. I think a lot of people were raising their eyebrow about the earnings season. I think we've seen better than expected. I'm not going to talk about the tech wreck, but let's talk about Caterpillar. Let's talk about Boeing. Let's talk about some of the positivity. I think that is really encouraging. That coupled with oversold conditions, I think you are seeing volatility bring markets back higher. With the S&P 500 at 3,900, I think you will see some certainty next week. Obviously, we're looking at the Fed meeting and the midterm elections. But nonetheless, I think the market, the risk to the market is being underinvested, not invested, as I think markets move higher as we are getting some certainty across the board. Jim Urio, your response? Okay. See, I think you guys are, are missing a couple things. And I, I actually don't even disagree with you. And, Larry, for your, your thesis, I hope you're right. I think you're right. I don't think it's it's right front and center. And you mentioned, like, energy stocks being a Republican stock. I'll actually argue the opposite. I bought energy stocks two years ago when the Democrats took office because I believed that their policies would completely force up the price of crude, and they did. And that's one of the reasons I'm keeping them, because either, either party could be good for that sector. But we have to remember that the, the, two num- the numbers that came out over the last week, the GDP number, which looked good but was really bad, the PCE number, which was interesting in that spending was up, 
wages were not. Uh, it it kind of indicates that going forward, the consumer is going to be tapped. Personal savings rates are down. But the, the key part of this is, is that the odds for a Fed only 50 basis point hike at the meeting on, on Wednesday, which is probably not going to happen, has gone from about 3% a month ago to almost 18% today. So the market is saying that the Fed is beginning, and they, they trotted out Mary Daly last week, and she said something about that we have to start thinking about stepping down. So I still think the Fed is the most important thing. I thought technically that if we settled the market above 38.25, that the bear market was over. And you guys know I've been somewhat bullish for October in the fourth quarter the whole time. However, we have this big wild card that Jeff mentioned, which is the Fed on Wednesday. So I'm going to, to revamp that to say I want to see some follow-through this week. And then I honestly will believe the bear is over. I mean, because there's so many Stop reasons. Stop hedging, Ariel. Stop hedging and just come out with it. The consumer no, what do you mean? Is what we do. We hedge. Go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I think you have to really look at we saw GDP. I know it's a rear view mirror look, but at the end of the day, growth is still there. And I know it's contrasting when you see all the different headwinds of inflation, but the consumer, the households are still strong. I know you're being cheap this year and buying Halloween candy, probably pass on notebooks or spider rings, but people are still spending money. I think that's positive, Larry. <laughs> Don't ask me. Ask Yuria. Oh, good. No, cause here, because people are still spending money. But th this is the weird thing. They're spending money that they don't have. I think there's this weird psychological thing that's happened okay. over the last two and a half years that people deny themselves experiences for so long, and they're willing. There's this kind of YOLO, live for today thing that's fueling spending. So I still will, will say that the most important thing is the Fed appears to be getting a little less aggressive. But again, Powell's, Powell's pounded us over the head before he did it at Jackson Hole, and he's coming out and speaking on Wednesday. So, again, you, you call it hedging, but I'm not going to be placing any big oh, that's a great point. on that's any a great square point. until I hear him talk. Look, you can. Well, and that's why, all the, that's why all the blue chip tangible names continue to outperform. Look at year to date. You know, you've seen the exit, the mass exodus out of growth and the value. And I think these value industrial names continue to work. Yeah, Larry, you could take a break while you have us on. You don't need to wrangle no, the cats. I'm, I'm going out to have an illegal <laughs> cigarette. But industrials led. Industrials were the best performer this week, 6.7%. Utilities, 6.5%. Financials, 6.2%. Um, energy down at 2.8%. By the way, the energy Republican play is in, is in people who do fracking. It's all the supports oh, yeah, yeah. and infrastructure okay. services, which the Democrats have basically shut yeah. down. But I want to ask you guys, um, both of you, uh, the tech story – so this market is rallying without the famous tech names, without Microsoft, without Amazon, uh, without Facebook, etc. What do you make of that? Either one of you. I want to hear from yeah, both. You go first because I don't have a good answer. Well, well, I would just jump in and say, Larry, I think we have to remember the tech darlings, which were nearly 25% of the S&P 500. Think about that. Five stocks of the S&P 500 were the majority of the investors for 2018, 2019, pre-COVID. So you saw such a run-up. I think it was overdone. Now you're seeing a complete repricing or a revaluation. And I think it's fascinating to see, look at Facebook, got kicked out of the top 20 stocks, went from a trillion dollars down to about $280 million market cap. And I think that's remarkable, but it's also a long time coming. So we look at biotech, we look at financials, some of the names that were under love. Look at Bank of America, up 20%. J.P. Morgan, up 22% for the month of October. So I think we're coming back to reality. I think this is actually really healthy to see this tech valuation. And is there value now in some of these growth stocks? I think there is. Microsoft, you know great leadership. Apple, great leadership. I worry about Facebook. Come on in, Jimmy. Come on in. 
what just dawned on me now is that we group those names together, but does Facebook really belong in the same grouping with Amazon and Google? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it does. I think that a lot of those those names were just attracting dollars because they were attracting dollars, and all of a sudden there's the reval, and, and from the rubble you see what's interesting and good. And I'm not saying, you know, I already have probably too much Amazon and Google that have accumulated over the years and never want to take capital gains tax on, so I don't know that I'm coming in and buying it, but uh, I, I think that if you've been waiting for your pullback, well, here you go. But they all reported uh, lower than expected revenues and sales. I mean, they are different companies, and people and Microsoft is completely different. But they all had one thing in common. It seemed like they're all reporting lower sales and revenues. Yeah, that's no. There's no question about it. I'm just talking about from a business model. Where do you see things fitting in in the next ten years? And I certainly, in my mind, see Amazon fitting in a lot more cleanly and clearly than I do for Facebook. So Jeff Kilberg, I just just to I just want to. So your point sure. is to stay with the rally, stay with it, be invested. It is to stay with the rally, and I think you know, we talk a lot about volatility, and I think a lot of people think about volatility taking markets down. But as you know, Larry, because you've been around uh, longer than Jimmy and I have, volatility also takes markets up. And when you see people underinvested, when you people see concerned about housing and all the different re- reevaluation, you can see the market go back above 4,100 with some tangible certainty politically, as well as investment-wise going into 2023. So yeah, I think you stick with the investment. I think you'd be considerate of your sector exposure like you just illuminated. And you have to own names that really are blue chip, that are tangible. Owning some of these high-flying tech COVID stocks, you know, that, that was just disastrous on a, a variety of levels. Jim Urio, what's the commodity read right now? So I, to me, you know, now they seem to stabilize after the pullback. To me, they're all everything. The metals, in particular, are just seem to be waiting for um, for rates to stabilize. I think there's some really interesting opportunity. I just gave a speech at the New Orleans Investment Conference two weeks ago about copper, about how copper has been pounded down by rates going higher, the dollar going higher, and these intermittent lockdowns in China. With all at the same time that we're talking about decarbonizing our future and carbon, I mean, uh, copper having to fit in so, so much with that. So I think there's some really interesting plays and I think uh, copper is going to be the play for the next five years. If it settles above 380 at any time in the next few weeks, I'm uh, going to begin to go along that. But I think the, the most of the commodity complex, I'm taking out energy here, is just waiting for rates to stabilize or a belief that the Fed is either neutral or beginning to look at what, when they're going to uh, ease rates, which is coming at the end of next year. I don't understand though. Uh, the semi-euphoria that the Fed is going to back off. Like, I don't buy it. And I don't think the numbers that came out this week support that point of view. I mean, look, the Fed's uh, top-line measure, the PCE, personal consumption expenditures deflator, is 6.2% above year ago. I mean, that's a bad number. And the core rate is actually rising above 5%. And I want to add to that, the Cleveland Fed now casting on inflation, they do a pretty interesting job, is looking at a very bad CPI number um, for October that will come out next month. They're looking at 0.8% rise in the CPI, and I think 05 on a core basis. So I think you guys are getting over your skis 
on this Fed pullback. I don't see it, fellas. But, the, but could the Fed be possibly understanding, and I hate to ever accuse them of understanding any of the internals of the numbers, but the real estate market, which back in the great, great financial crisis, the real estate market turned, and the lag of it showing up in CPI was about a year and a half later, where we actually, because it is such a strong lag. Is the Fed smart enough, and is the market saying the Fed smart enough to know that the, the real estate has been dealt an absolute knockout blow with rates going for mortgage rates going from 3% to over 7%, but it hasn't fallen to the canvas yet. It's just stumbling around the ring because it takes some time to do that. So when the market well, is, disagrees with you, Larry, and, agree, and I'm, just, I'm just saying that the Fed funds curve is saying now the Fed is changing. Now, that's why I'm in Jeff's camp with I'm a little more bullish than I was. But and this kills me to say, Larry, but I, we agree, have to see Powell. I agree with Yurio. I agree with Yurio because that's the one-two punch I think the Fed is looking at but not talking about. The one-two punch of rates, obviously, historically moving higher and really seeing housing. Housing is in a free fall. You saw uh, loan applications last week, week over week, go down 42%. You're seeing the cost of a house nearly double to buy that new house. So that is one thing they're really being mindful of. And I think that really slams the brakes. And if you look at from Nashville to New York to California to Chicago, look across the country, people are not buying homes. And if they want to move, they can't because they have a 3% mortgage. And why would they move to a 7% mortgage? So that cooling and housing is going to be a, a wonderful way for the Fed to watch inflation not come to a standstill by any means. We All still right. have stubborn inflation. I got but it's going to be a while. Anyone Break. listening here, Break. both Jeff and Break. I are saying that Break. things are worse than we think, Break. and that's why we're bullish. Break, 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 break. Jim Urio, t- director of TJM Institutional Services, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back with stocks. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Don't really get a word in edgewise, but it's not necessary when you have Jim Urio, director of TJM Institutional Services, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial, two of my favorites. You know, fellas, I was just looking at my stock and bond market sheets. Um, the three-month Treasury bill closed at 405 and the 10-year note at 401. I think that's the first time I've seen that inversion. The old New York Fed model of the economy said it's the T-bill and the 10 years, not twos to tens, it's the bill to tens. And when that inverts, that is a recession forecaster. And we had Michael Faulkner on, a very good economist. He was the assistant secretary of the Treasury during the Trump years, and uh, he teaches school at Maryland. I mean, you know, uh, Jim Uriel, Falkenberg said the table is set for recession. And I think these inversions suggest that that's the case. Now, even with the cavalry coming, the Republicans are going to inherit a stagflation. And I just want to spend a few moments on that. How does one pilot through the stock market? It is not a good economic environment. No, and this is interesting because I think there's absolutely no question that there's going to be a recession. If I was going to make one wager for the next two quarters is that a recession is going to show up at some point in time in those. But I think from an investing standpoint, that doesn't necessarily mean, again, I'm going to go back to an old theme and it's probably going to irritate you, but it doesn't mean that the stock market does poorly because the Fed tends to come to the rescue. Remember that this whole this whole exercise 
in idiocy that the Fed pumps things up when they shouldn't have and then takes away the punch bowl when they you know, too much so is going to cause a recession. They've, t- they've talked about it. They call it about you know, creating slack in the job market. What that means for them is you lose your job. You know, they, they don't understand, I think, how to, to put it in different words, how ugly it sounds. But I think there's no question that a recession is coming. I think that it's going to be mild because it's not the last two big recessions we've seen. We saw you know, when the, the great financial crisis and the tech stock bubble was based on leverage and buildup of market positions that were just enormous and needed a long time to be unwound. I don't see that as much right now. Mm-hmm. I see excess in everything that needs to be unwound, but not in specific assets like real estate. So I think it, there is going to be a recession, but I don't think it necessarily has to be bad for the stock market. Well, Jeff, the thing about recessions, apart from the recession discussion, is what happens to profits. Profits are the mother's milk of stocks. People forget that. I mean, earnings seasons come and go, and they're very important. Um, The Fed is going to raise rates more, and if you're in a recession, uh, profits are going to decline. Now, that worries me. I mean, look, I want a good stock market because I'm making a political case for the stock market. But, you know, you have to be honest and objective and empirical about these things. If you guys think there's a recession, then maybe the earnings profits story is overrated. Its strength is overrated, and Wall Street is overlooking that. Well, arguably, I took too many hits to the head, Larry, when I was playing for Coach Holtz. But I am not in the camp that a recession is is imminent. I actually think we have some optimism. And I believe to profit, to your point, you have to be selective. You have to be a stock picker again. You didn't have to be a stock picker for about a decade when the Fed initially intervened back in the Great Recession. But look at Exxon as a great example. They just reported the highest profits in their 152-year history last last week on Friday. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about certain sectors of the marketplace, I get excited. You know, when you talk about owning some of the banks for the first time in a while sticking with some of these themes of energy, which has been a winning thing for the last two years. But also, I think you have to look at a name like an Intel. There is value in growth. Intel has been sliced in half. If you look at a three-year chart, it was trading about 60 bucks. Now it's under $30 after having a monstrous day to close the week. But I think you have to understand these, some of these names where you can, not hide necessarily, but that's where you can participate. But the broad swap investing, you're very vulnerable, you're very susceptible. And I think you have to rethink your exposure. But I do take some optimism and some hope, I guess I will say, as once we see this financial certainty out of the midterm election, historically for the last 85 years, which, you know, Jimmy has seen all those 85 years, what we have seen is that the market does move higher. It's typically a double return on the S&P 500. So that's where I think it's a lonely view, but I'm more optimistic and I'm actually emboldened because there's so much pessimism out there. Well, Jim Urio, the market traditionally loves divided government. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's what you're going to get. Yeah, because because when I love divided government, because when nothing gets done, that's when our government is most effective. When they actually try to help us, I'm doing the quotation marks. That's when they mess things up. But Larry, for you and I have known each other and talked to each other for almost 17 years, I believe. And one thing that we disagree on fundamentally is you say that profits are the mother's milk of stocks, and uh-huh. I love that, and I wish it were true. And I say that the Fed and free money are the, are the uh, mother's milk of stocks, and that and what I, both of us can be. Right Right, just to certain degrees, in my opinion. And I just think mine is more right. By the way. Um, oh, my goodness. That's great. Sorry, <laughs> what? What do you want from me? I know. That's why we love you. Um, I just want to weigh in and say I don't like divided government. I like three conservative, 
capitalist branches of government. Okay? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite government, which, by the way, we had during the Trump years. We never really had that during the Reagan years. We, we always had divided government, although Reagan was able to bring the Democrats with him, so we almost had three houses. But so you guys are both – I've got to close this down. It's been lovely. But if I hear it right, you're saying to our listeners – Stay in the stock market right now, okay? Real quick, Jeff. That's right. All right. Jim. No, I think that's right. You, you have to hurt all the political component and yep. look at where the stock market is valued. I, I, I'm, I, I I'm saying be leery of Jerome on Wednesday, too. Oh, my God. But, yes. Jay Powell. You know what? That's a very wise thing. Be leery of Jay Powell. <laughs> Holy cow. What a thought. Anyway, gentlemen, you're both fabulous. Jeff Kilberg and Jim Burio. Folks, stick around. We got some money in politics coming up with Liz Peak and Steve Moore. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back. Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show 